Open your Bibles with me to chapter 5 of Revelations. And we've been in this journey in the book of Revelation the last few weeks. And you know, the more, the more I'm getting into the book of Revelation, I realize that I don't know how people miss the central message of the book and get sidetracked into all kinds of weird stuff. If you read Revelation and begin to interpret and understand the central message of the book of Revelation and get all weird out and begin to separate yourself, yourself from the world and begin to think that you're holier than thou and that instead of bringing hope and grace and, and, a, and a passion for mission to the lost, it gives you this if, 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 you, if you think that the message is separation from, from the mission and somehow instead of a, of a mission to save the world is a mission to escape and go to the mountains and leave the world behind on regards to whoever is lost is lost and so don't care for your human fellow being and you think that the central the message is that somehow we begin to point at each other's faults and, and, the, and the challenge that we're facing. If understanding Revelation does not give you a renewed sense of mission and passion for the mission of the church, which is to save the world, and to draw closer to Jesus Christ, then I think uh, you're missing the whole point. And this chapter 5, which is that we spent, we began to talk about chapter 5 of Revelation a few weeks ago, and again, we will try our best to provide some continuity between here and then. But this chapter 5, is a scene of worship. It, it's a, it's a, in beginning with chapter 4, and actually we're going to do, yep, we're going to do 4 and 5 quickly here. We Kind of a part 2 of what we started a couple of weeks ago on the throne, the lamb, and the lion. But this we're going to call our time today. And the images that you're going to see are images that I've found in this series by John Pauline, that if you ever want to study, if you really want to know the main and central message of Revelation and not get all weird out and start going with weird stuff, there's so much junk out there in the book of Revelation, it's unbelievable. So many people preaching junk on the book of Revelation that is unbelievable. I mean, people will use the scriptures to twist the scriptures for their own, for their own damnation, really. Not only that, but they will use the book of Revelation to lead others away from God. But if you really want to learn, I suggest that you, uh, you seek out this study that Pastor uh, John Pauline, Dr. John Pauline from uh, out in Loma Linda, he puts together this series. It's been in 3 ABM 2 all along. It's, I think, uh, Revelation, Hope, Meaning, and Purpose. Any of you have seen this series, anybody? No 3ABN fans here. All right. Uh, but I suggest, yeah, this is probably the only person that I've heard written, I mean, 
talking about the book of Revelation that really has a good grasp of, of what the central message is. And so let's dig right to it. Um, because the first thing I want you to notice in chapter 4, he says, um, uh, verse uh, 2, Let's get to it right away. And it is a scene of worship. And the more you know God, the more that the natural response as we get to know God is to what? To worship Him. And this scene here in chapter 2 is a scene in heaven. We already covered this, that is, it's the, uh, the angel, the messenger sh- uh, shifts John's focus from the scenes on earth that was happening to the church. And we, we talked about the messages, the different, uh, uh, the journey of the church on earth, described there in the different messages to the church in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And now he begins to look at heaven, and, and the scene in heaven that we see in, ch- in chapter 4, verse 2, is this, begins, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Right? And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and up on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in with white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And that's uh, some artist's attempt to describe the scene, a very good one, I think, of what's happening in this scene. <coughs> Forgive me, uh, I've been battling some uh, sinus stuff this week. So. so what we have here is a snapshot, a, a scene of the throne and the worship of God and describes, listen to this, not just a, <coughs> a point in time, it doesn't just describe a moment in time, but it's more like a general description of what goes on in heavens every single moment of the day. So listen, in heaven, <coughs> excuse me, worship is constantly taking place in heaven. Amen. It's not something that we just put on on Sabbath morning and do for a couple of hours or just even for 30 minutes, some of us. It seems like the more we go on, the less of a span, attention span we have from people. They say that you need 20 minutes. It's the most attention span that I have from you guys. That's, that's what it says, and it includes everybody. And then you just turn off. My professor, seminary professor used to say, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, just sit down. You can't say it at all because people are not going to listen to you more than that. But it's not just something that is done in just a specific time. It's something that goes on all the time because worshiping heaven, it's an ongoing thing. <coughs> Excuse me. I told you I was sick this week. Uh, I'm gonna, really going to have to drink water. Forgive me. What does that tell you? That worship is something that is continuous in our lives too. 
Worship should not just be something that we do for the little time that we spend on Sabbath or just for the little morning time worship that we do. But worship should be the focus and the center of the children of God. Amen? And everything about our lives is worship. If you really begin to think about everything that you do and everything that you're about should be about worshiping God. This is why relationships and, and the things that we do every day describe how we live life, which should be a life of worship. Amen? Another beautiful thing about this chapter 5 is that it talks about the big three questions, and Litzy kind of alluded to it already. Everybody has those three questions, the big questions, the big three. Where we come from, Right? Why we're here and where we're going. Those are the three big philosophical questions that through the ages and even today really haunts the human race. Who, where we come from? Why am I here? And what's, where am I going to? What's, what's the future holds? Well, this chapter of Revelations, these two chapters, five and, uh, four and five, is at the center of describing an answer how the people that follow Jesus, how we see these three questions and what is the answer to each one of them. For example, in the, first, in the last few verses there of chapter 4, it says, um, well, let me read from verses 5 on. Out of the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like the sea of glass, like crystal. And then he says, verse 7, the first creature was like a lion. Describes the, the four creatures that are there, like a lion. The second, like a calf. A face like the, man, that's the face of men, the third one. And the fourth creature was like the flying eagle. And the four living creatures, verse 8, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around them and within, and day and night they did not cease to say. What did they say? Holy, holy is, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, who receive glory and honor and power for you, what? Created all things, and because, you will, because of your will they exist and were created. So where did we come from? From God, amen? We were created by God. The answer to our first question of where we come from is we came from the mind of God. He thought of us and He created us, and so that gives us a special meaning and a special purpose. And that purpose is described here in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and 5, as if He's our creator, then our purpose is to be in fellowship with Him, and this is in this relationship with Him, which was what Litsi described as worshiping, because if we are created from God, if we come from Him, amen? Because you are not just by chance here, hello? Just because the universe 
had nothing better to do and no purpose of what you hear. No, God had you in mind and his purpose is for you and I to be in relationship with him. Because check this out. Somehow, this great God that is described in the book of Revelation, which by the way is the same as the Lamb. And this is the beauty of Revelations of the whole book that it unveils who Jesus is, and Jesus is one and the same with God the Father, God the Creator. And so, it's incredible what's going on in the New Testament because Christians in the time of the Roman Empire were seen to be such a threat because they had this cosmic idea that it wasn't the emperor who was in charge, it wasn't the emperor who demanded their allegiance, that their allegiance and their relationship and everything about their lives come from whom? From Jesus. From this God that they knew, and Jesus, the same power of God, has the same power of God. He was one with God, and he was God. Not only he's the lion, but he's also the lamb. And so he becomes also the reason why they are redeemed. And so everything that they do and everything that they are about in their lives is because of Jesus and for Jesus. And I don't know, if, but if I'm the emperor in the Roman Empire. Think about this. For the Christians, the big shot was not the emperor, was not the empire. It was Jesus. He was the big shot. He was the one in control. And the primary allegiance was to Christ. And in this book of Revelation, we begin to unveil and begin to understand who Jesus is to us. And He is our Creator. Amen? So we come from Christ. We come from God. We're not here by chance. And what's our purpose? Well, especially in these two chapters, chapter 4 and 5, it begins to tell us that the purpose of the human existence is to be in relationship and in this worship experience with God. In not just a one-time thing, not in just a, a, a one moment of our lives thing, but it's something that must go on every moment of our existence. Amen? That you and I were made, Lidsey sang and you sang, we were made to worship. That we're made to live in close relationship with God. Because somehow this great God that created it all, this powerful God that created it all, longs for you and I to have a personal relationship with Him. And He seeks relationship. He seeks community and communion with us. And so we are His creation and we are here to worship. And then the answer to the question, where are we going? Revelation begins to tell us that God has beautiful plans for our lives. That it's not just about, by chance, that we begin to take, uh, you know, our own path in our own ways, in our own hands, and do life in the way that we want to do life, but that God has a better future for us in mind, and that He's in control, and that He will make sure that we will live out our destiny in the plans that He has for us. If we understand where we come from, if we understand that the reason why we're here, 
and the future that we will play out in Christ if we stay close to Him. So that's uh, an interest, uh, uh, probably a, one of the best. Let me see if this is something we could make. There you go. I want to get to the next uh, section in this chapter because we find that the book with the seven seals in chapter 5, we alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. This is an interesting um, detail of the book. And some of us, perhaps, we need more, more time to, to understand the details here, but I'll, I'll try to give you kind of the bigger picture, but specifically about this reality that Jesus, who is our God, who is our creator, who is the one in control, appears here in the book with the seven seals, in chapter 5 specifically, as the big problem that no one can solve, which is that no one can open the book. Remember that? From last time we, we met a couple of weeks ago, verse 3, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And then John begins to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping because the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Something you need to understand about this seven seals, and by the way, in chapter 6, he begins to open every one of these seals. And uh, again, I, I want to point you back to the bigger picture of Revelation. Because a lot of people will want to give you interpretations of these seven seals, but one thing that you need to understand is the bigger picture of what the people of Israel, the people of the New Testament, the people of God, are understanding when Jesus, when the Lamb is brought here, first is the lion, right? The lion is the one who's now is able to what? To open, right? The book. And when it says the lion, but then when he, when he hears the lion, then when he turns, he sees what? He sees the Lamb. Verse 7, the lamb standing as if a slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits. And then the lamb comes, he says, came and took the book out of the right hand of him. This is God, the Father, who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying what? Verse uh, uh, Nine, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be kingdom, a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. According to Old Testament tradition, this breaking of the seals, it's the tradition of kinship. And when kings were enthroned, every king will receive a, co uh, a covenant, or will receive a document. And this document 
was nothing, it, it was the law of the land. It was the law of the government, of, that, of the people that they were gonna, he was going to rule. And the meaning of that in Revelations is, of course, to us, is Deuteronomy, or, or actually to the Old Testament, this is the book that the Lamb receives, which describes that this king, this new king, will not be alone to himself, that he will follow the law of God to rule his people. I'm talking about back in the Old Testament. The king will receive a document, will seal, right? As you see there on the screen, seven seals. But it, the description of this is that it describes the rulership of this new king will be based on whatever was on that document. It wasn't something that the king would just begin to rule on their own feelings or on the, whatever laws they want to come up with. They will follow the laws of God to rule. This is in the people of Israel. In the other nations, it was the constitution or whatever the laws were of the land. And so the king were able, was able to rule under those laws. So kings had something to follow along, and it was the law of the land, the law of the kingdom that they're serving now. Now, the beautiful thing in chapter 5 of Revelation is it describes that this new king is not only powerful as the lion, but has the attitude of what? Has the attitude of the lamb. It has the spirit of the lamb. It's not only the lion, which means power and it means, you know, the lion of Judah, but he also has the attitude and the spirit of the lamb. This was slain, amen? And the reason why he is worthy to be praised is because he was slain because the lamb was sacrificed. And this is the reason why they, they say worthy. This is verse 9. Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals for you were what? Slain. So the attitude of this king that is being described, and by the way, this is describing Jesus Christ. And this is describing also what's happening in the New Testament. This is something that already took place, folks. When Jesus was slain, when Jesus came to the cross, amen? And this is what the church is telling the world now in Revelations through John. They're saying, listen, Jesus has been given all authority now to rule. And it's proven because he was the lamb that was slain. And this is the reason why he's been given this authority. And it says also that he... Now it's going to rule under the laws of God, but with the attitude of this lamb. And isn't it wonderful that we could have someone, or who would you rather have in power? Would you rather have someone that wants to just be in control, or just want to tell you what to do without any mercy? Or would you rather have in control the lamb who, sac who gave his life for you, who has your best interest at heart. And this is the description. This is the description of the king that we're seeing here in chapter 5. Jesus had been given this rulership. He's now the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? And this actually takes place so that you know. This is actually what happened in chapter 2 of Revelation. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in chapter 2 of Acts. The Pentecost. Do you know that that's actually taking place in heaven? 
when Jesus goes up to heaven, remember that he went up? Because now, based on his sacrifice, he's now been given this rulership, and now he controls the universe and the world, and now he takes the place of the enemy, Satan, who up to that point, until the point of the sacrifice of Christ, he was the one who was the ruler of this earth. But Jesus comes along, and because he is being slain for you and me, now Jesus has been given the control over the universe, over the world, and he rules and he calls the shot here in our reality from that moment on. And you know what happened after he began to call the shots, right? Pentecost happened. And that's when he pours out his spirit. And, 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 and this is what's been happening ever since, that Jesus is in control of the destiny of the human race. Amen? And the whole, the heavens know. The universe know. But sometimes, listen, sometimes we walk around and we live life not realizing that there's a bigger picture, that the realities that we live today actually point to the bigger reality of our lives, and that is Jesus Christ and His control over everything that we do and over everything that goes on. Amen? The Bible points back to us and tells us, if you really understand the message of Scripture, it's clear that Jesus is the one who's in control, that He's been given because, not only because He's God, but He's sacrificed His life for us as the Lamb who was slain. Then He has this particular experience with us and this particular ministry to, to lead us and to bless us in our lives in a special way. Revelation 5 gives us important information about the realities of this world. And I don't know about you, but I think when we begin to, to, to go into details that have nothing to do with the book of Revelation sometimes, we miss this beautiful picture where what God is telling us is that in spite of whatever you're going through in your life today, in spite of the challenges, you need to understand that Jesus Christ is in control. Amen? That He is the King of kings and Lords of lords. Yes, let's be honest. You and I live our lives sometimes unmindful of that reality. You and I live sometimes, and the world lives sometimes life in a way that if, like, we were in control. Hello? But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today in the 21st century, my friend, if you're part of a community of believers that claim to follow Jesus Christ, you need to live your life understanding that Jesus is the one who's in control. Not you, not me, but Jesus. Amen? So it doesn't matter. You and I may not like each other sometimes. Hello? You and I may get into conflict sometimes. But if you and I understand that Jesus is in control, we're going to work it out. Can you say amen? But come on, be honest. Sometimes we get into conflict and we think that we're the ones in control. We want to tell people what to do. Not only that, but we want to tell them what's going to happen to their lives. And we're going to, we want to tell them where they come from. <laughs> right? Right? 
and where they're going. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Folks, is this, is this true or not? Do you believe that Jesus is in control or not? If he is, then we better start living it out. Finally, this, this is what happens. And again, this is, a, this is a beautiful picture of worship in, in chapter 5. Am I doing the same line? Okay. I think I'm going to have to skip this one. Let's see. I think I, it's definitely time to get a new clicker. Trust me. <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? Yes. Next week, we'll get a new clicker. This fi final detail in this book, in these two chapters, there's four songs that are sang as a part of this worship experience described in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation. The first scene of worship is done by the, by the four living creatures. In chapter 4, the first few verses. And they sing around the, the, the throne. It sets up. Uh, so they're the ones who do the worship in the first scene. The second scene, in the same chapter 4, is the four creatures and then the 24 elders join them in worshiping God. And they say, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of you, because of your will, they existed and were created. And then in chapter 5, he sees another scene of worship. And then the 24 elders are the ones who worship. And the saints actually join. And, and it's, it's thousands. I'm sorry. Chapter 5 is thousands of people join in this. So first, the four creatures, then the four creatures and the four, and 24 elders. And then thousands of, upon thousands in chapter 5 join in worship. And it says, worthy are you to take the book, right? And to break the seals. And this is all to the Lamb. Then look and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, verse 11. And the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I don't know if you see this crescendo, this intensity, this, this intense uh, action that grows by the moment by the time of worship. So I want to tell you, worship is supposed to be intense, amen? And as you worship, the more you worship, the more you need to get into it, amen? Just last week, I got in trouble, I know. I was preaching in another church, and I know I got too intense for some people. Some people even walked out of the church. <laughs> I know that doesn't happen here, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
But worship is supposed to get intense. Because when we realize who is it that we're worshiping. See, we don't come here to worship just to do this exercise, just for, for, for a mental peace, just for, because this is a good week thing, weekly thing to do. Hello. We come here to worship, and when you worship in God, when you sing, even if you're sitting, if you're standing, or whatever you're doing, or when you read the Bible and you're here to worship God, if you're here to worship God, hello, This worship scene, again, the four creatures first, and the creatures and the, four el- and the 24 elders, and then thousands upon thousands. And then finally, listen to this. Then I looked, and uh, I'm sorry, verse 17. This is, this is verse 13, actually, of chapter 5. This is the final s- song, and it says, And then every, then every created thing which is in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, on the sea, and all things in them I heard saying, hello. I don't know if you see what happens. First is the creatures, right, for living creatures. Then the 24 elders come together. Then thousands of people join. And then finally, every living thing is worshiping God. Hello. In this intense crescendo, now everything that lives, that breathes, praises the Lord of some. This is God's intention for His Son. This is God's final outcome. And we know this because the promise is that at the end, what? Every living thing will what? Will bow before the Lord. Amen? So this is a reality that will take place and that we need to be part of it even today. Amen? So when we come here, friends, to worship God because we come to worship God. Amen? We don't come because we like each other only. Which it will be nice if we like each other. We come if we worship together. Amen? We don't come because we're pretty or you like the way you, we look at each other. You know, you, the, the reason we come here is because you come to worship the Lord in community. And you want to be part of this worship experience and if that is your purpose then you need to understand that everything that you are needs to be put into this experience of worship that if you're ever going to be ready for if you're ever going to take part of this description of worship you must begin to worship now amen i will tell you something if you have not experienced worship with all who you are and all of you just worshiping God today, now, it's not going to happen on that day. Because no one that does not know how to worship God will be here. Amen? Every living thing worshiping God now. That's what God wants your life and my life to be about. Revelations describes in detail how that needs to happen and how, and we'll, we'll get into the next time that we'll share on the, f- the first seal, you know, these four horses. But 
we got to pray these days, folks. We really have to draw near to God and pray together that our lives are in harmony with His desires for us. There's the enemy is, is at work for sure. See, the interesting thing about the enemy, he, he wants to take people, he, he doesn't care what side you go extreme on or you go weird on. You could either, he wants you to be totally to the right where you just think everybody else is going to hell, only you're going to be saved. Or he wants you to go to the left where it doesn't matter what you do in your life, you're still going to save, you know, one save, always save, it doesn't matter. And, and, there, and, and he does that. I mean, I'm experiencing that right now in my life. There's, there's groups and people everywhere where a group wants to go out and do his own thing away from the church. And there's another group that wants to do their own thing, but for the opposite reasons and damning everybody else. And, and the question remains, have we, have we missed the bigger picture? Have we missed God's purpose for, for, his, for his community? or his church to be part of this experience that we have here on earth and by the way our purpose is to prepare a people for this great experience that is described here in chapter 5 I don't know about you but I pray that every time that you fellowship with other believers and every time that you see God in your life that you experience God to his fullness, that you put everything of who you are into worshiping the Lord, and that you live life according to God's commands and God's desires for you. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father God, Lord, uh, today we are thankful, Lord, that in Revelations you guide us in a specific way back to the bigger picture of who you are and where we come from and why we're here and our future is saved in you and what you want to do in our lives today. Father, I know there might be here someone that needs to rec reconnect with you at the most basic level. Perhaps there's someone that have been feeling that they have no purpose or future. And Lord, you be wanting to reach out to them. I pray in your spirit that today you will convict them of, of who they are and what you want for them. Lord, I lift up to you this your church, University SDA, and the Seventh Adventist Church throughout the world. But we're experiencing times where uh, the enemy is certainly throwing people left and right. We realize you're soon to come. We pray that we'll remain faithful to you no matter what. And that our allegiance will be only to Christ. And that our lives will be lived for your honor and glory today. Father, there are others here that are feeling hurt and alone and desperate and confused about their own lives. And I pray that 
you will also grant them grace and healing today. That you will strengthen them and that your peace and your hope will be born again in their lives. Heal us, Father. Bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.